I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. Are you Tony Stank? Don't get technical with me. She needs to sort out her priorities. That's no moon. I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. Welcome to the A Plus Z Movie Review Podcast. I'm the A that stands for Alex. And I'm the Z that stands for Zach. And today we went on a different movie theater experience, but u- ultimately we saw the latest installment from Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle. Um, his film Babylon, starring Margot Robbie, Brad Pitt. Diego Calva is the newcomer. Yeah. And a bunch of other people um, in this three-hour-long <laughs> movie. Um, it, Zach, what'd you think? <laughs> <laughs> why, why are you passing this to me first? I always go first. I was excited for this movie because Damien Chazelle is one of my favorite uh, new directors of the past, what is it now? Uh, five, ten years. Uh, La La Land, one of my favorite movies. Uh, just period. Um, and he, he, he makes interesting things, and I was excited for it, especially when you get a cast of like Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie. Like, these are... Heavy hitters. Yeah, and like this, and the initial story of it's being like, it's about old Hollywood. It's about the transition from silent films to talkies. It's like, that's all very fascinating. I'm excited to see this director, this cast, take this on. The trailer seemed like it was full of energy. I'm like, all right, here we go. And this movie does certainly have an energy mm-hmm. for a good long while. And then it, uh, it, uh, it, it departs <laughs> the, 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 the railroad tracks at a certain point. And I'm a very, specific metaphor in mind for yeah it's um my blurb uh for this i i think i was thinking the whole time trying to how to encapsulate all of this movie goes through uh i said well what'd you give it first i gave it a a hard sideways thumb because as my blurb says sadly uneven like (laughs) the true definition of some of it's up some of it's down this thing lands middle uh, from chaotic fun about movie magic to absolutely losing its own way. Um, Strong words. I like. I was very into this movie for a good long while. Like it, it, it was nuts. It was pure magical chaos that I was. For it, it, sometimes it's a little too much, but it's like okay, you're doing something here, and then you get to the movie making part, and I was enthralled with it, and then it. It goes. It goes. What What did you think? I also gave it a sideways thumb. So this one is going straight down the middle. One of the first like consensus sideways that we've ever given. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, I went into it not knowing a whole lot, knowing that it was like maybe about an actress. Like I really, I really didn't know much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember the few trailers of it that I did see. I was like, uh, it looks interesting. Yeah, why not? Okay. My blurb being strong performances, which is I think is true. Margot Robbie 
freaking oh, kills it. it. Incredible. Brad Pitt. Charismatic as all hell. Always. The um Diego Calva. He was great. Yeah. Um, so strong performances. Story is a roller coaster. Definitely feels like three hours. It certainly does. I think there's a part in the middle where it really finds its lane. Like to me, it was a slow burn. The first like third, maybe I was like, if this is what it's going to be, this is going to be torture. But then it, it kind of, it gets, it gets where it's going kind of at the point where they're making the movies and they're, they're on the sets and everything. That's, that's its bread and butter. And then the last bit, the last hour is it's just hard. It's just hard to get through. So yeah, sideways thumb for me. A uh, thought I had in the car that I did not share with you <laughs> on the way home. Yep. I think that Damien Chazelle is jaded AF that his best picture for La La Land Oscar got robbed from him on stage. And he has come back trying to make this yeah. ultra extra big swing, this and that. It's about, it's a movie about oh, movies. This you movie, know, the Academy loves that. On paper, this is the biggest made for Oscar type movie that you could put out. Yeah. And it's, and it, it, it's it, big. It, it's expensive. Then, it's got big names. Like you, I mean, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling are no, you know, they're, it's not, they're not nobodies, yeah. but they're not Brad Pitt. No. And this movie, it leans so hard on, yeah. wow, movies, aren't they just, they transport you. They, they'll live but, on. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, you're ghosts among angels. Wow. Don't what, you, what but don't you thing. think like, that's like pure pandering to the Academy. He wants that best picture and he wants it legitimate. He's yeah. not going to have someone from. Bonnie and Clyde, screw that up. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, I think Damon Chazelle is going to be fine in in the long run. I mean, Whiplash got plenty of recognition. La La Land, plenty. He'll get he'll get his at some point. Did Whiplash win Best Picture though? Uh, no, it won for Best Adapted Screenplay, um, and then La La Land was nominated for fourteen awards. Um, he won some for that, but he won best director. For it La La wasn't, Land too. it wasn't best picture. And that no. was a real friggin' embarrassing moment for the Academy. Well, yeah, it's but it's like embarrassing to experience that on stage. Yeah. Someone comes up and goes, sorry, this isn't for you. Give me yeah. like, that's awkward. So I feel like he, he's kind of jaded about it and just wants a, a surefire thing. I don't think he's going to get it. No, he might. The, 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 the very mid reaction that we gave uh, for reference, Rotten Tomatoes, the critics, the critics score 55 percent audience score 48 percent. So, like, wow. again, the way the, the way Rotten Tomatoes means that doesn't mean it's bad. Right. It means that 55 percent of critics think it was decent to good. And 48% of the audience thinks it's decent. So like that's middle. Like you yeah. half of it likes half half of people like it, half of people don't. And I like half this movie and I don't like half of this movie. So I completely understand that. And like what what the the box office it's right worth, now. I was gonna say it's worth noting, not yeah. that this is a good like standard of measure by anything, because good movies bomb all the time financially. Mm-hmm. 
Um, according to this uh, tweet we have, Babylon bombs at the box office, earning three and a half million domestically. Yeah. The film cost eighty million to make. That was over the weekend. I think as of now, it's it it crawled over five million total. Um, and yeah, eighty million to make. Like when you make these movies, it's generally the rule of thumb that you need to make double. Or maybe a little bit more. Yeah. To, to to break even on a production. Let's think about the factors here. It's Christmas weekend. Mm-hmm. That should work in its favor if it, you know, if you want butts in seats. Mm-hmm. Going up against Avatar is a second week of Avatar. Big, yeah. big toughie. Yeah. Also, is it I'm assuming this movie is rated R. That's another yeah. strike against it because it doesn't appeal to a mass audience. I mean, the movie uh, opens with a point of view shot of an elephant pooping. Oh my god! So I legitimately forgot that happened. Oh wow! That was, I'm I, scarred now. I had a physical reaction to that <laughs> that I normally don't did. in movies. I, I was know you my did. arms were crossed. I was sitting there like, okay, the movie is beginning. I am settling into my seat. Oh my god! Yeah, it's literally it, like. Yeah. sphincter opens and unload like so whoop, when whoop. we're talking about this movie is wild and chaotic at the beginning that is one part of it um the movie's not all uh uh snuff film but it certainly it, again it hits it sparks a lot i thought it was beginning. for a long while for yeah and and again to expand on the what the movie is about it's sort of the title Babylon is sort of saying that this is the golden age of movies, mm-hmm. the transition from silent films to talkies, the height of glamour and glitz and party in lots specifically Hollywood. Uh, so a good part of the beginning of the movie is dealt with this party at this lavish mansion where it is just full on bacchanalia, like uh, naked women, drugs, uh, peeing on people uh <laughs> uh you know sex in in the open and just as as wild and crazy as you can imagine elephants elephants in bel-air in 1923 yep uh it, it just absolutely wild setting and it was to a point where it was turning me off yeah like, I'm it not, was I'm a not lot a, i'm not a prude by any means no. but just like at a certain while, it's like, Damien, what the hell are you doing? Well, that's kind of what I said, too, is just like, if that was like the slow burn for me, is like, if this is what we're going to have to sit through the entire time, this yeah. is going to be a hard to get through. Yeah, but like we said, when, when we get to like the magic of movies, for people that love movies like you and I, I thought that that was hitting. Yeah. And like, I knew it was pandering, like in, in that Oscar bait way, but it was like, I know what you're doing. It was, but I'm good with it. It was done really well, it though. Was like so to good. me, it didn't feel like it was. I was, I was in it. Yeah, like I was like, yeah, let's let's see this journey. Absolutely. So we we for the most of the movie, we follow the storylines of our three main characters: Brad Pitt, who uh, plays Jack Conrad, Jack Conrad, a popular silent film star, uh, who has to adjust to the transition of moving into talkies and sort of like fading out of favor. Uh, you have Margot Robbie, who plays Nellie Leroy, an expiring actress that uh, gets her gets her jump in late in the silent movie game. And she also struggles to make the transition to uh, uh, talk, talking pictures. But she is a vivacious, colorful character that it's like, oh, she should totally work. And they keep trying with her. So it's interesting to see that bit of it. And then you have uh, Diego Calva playing Manny Torres who is a Mexican immigrant um, 
who uh, sort of works his way up yeah, from the bottom. Yeah, represents that ladder climb. He's yeah. like an assistant to some guy who's throwing a party and then works his way up to becoming a studio executive yep. through good ideas and whatever Just else. Just hard work. Knowing yeah, who it, you know. <laughs> and it's... So kind of t- we'll take these one by one. We'll start with the, the headliner, our guy Brad Pitt, who we love in so many things. You heard us talk about him in Bullet Train. Uh, I mean, the Oceans movies are <laughs> deep in our hearts. What do you think of our boy Brad? I thought he was fine. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to say he was bad because he wasn't. Mm-hmm. But I, um, I, I don't know. I thought he was a very good representation as someone who's not like, I mean, Brad Pitt is ultimate A-list. He'll get in any door, but he's not the oceans. Brad Pitt. He's not Mr. Mrs. Smith, bad Brad Pitt. He's kind of, he's definitely on the decline. And I mean, different portion of his career. Fortunately, like now stars and like, like, like actors don't have the problem of the actors featured in this film where like if they're washed up, they're washed up, they're done. Mm-hmm. Actors now have like producing to fall back on or they could become an influencer or something like there's there's other channels for them to like maintain status, maintain income. And I think. His so I think he was a good choice for that. Yeah, that character. And he's not going to wind up like jack did but he's definitely kind of just yeah he's he's not at his peak but i think it and the the film goes over like a long span of time i think it actually starts in 1926 yeah it's like five years like 1932 ish and you see him thriving kind of in his heyday participating in all these parties and Whatever else. Mm-hmm. Um, Going through his five wives or whatever it was. <laughs> I think it was ultimately like six, seven. Six or seven. Yeah. Right. Because he's had five, five divorces and then he marries the Hungarian woman, then mm-hmm. marries Catherine Waterson, mm-hmm. and then just gets together with that other chick. Yeah. <laughs> I at, don't, the, at the end. Yeah. Um, I thought, Brad, this is like the best and I don't want to say worst. Of, but like a low of Brad where it's like you get charming yeah. leading man, Brad Pitt. He's there. Like, especially in the beginning. And I, I think maybe it's partially because that's what his character is trying to do. And maybe that's just him doing a good job. But when it comes to like the dramatic role of the, the film, it's like, he's fine. He's kind of working his way through it. I don't, I, I... The word that comes to my mind is like coasting. Like, I don't want to say that he was coasting, but like maybe. Like, I think Brad in Bullet Train, he's coasting there. Yeah, but but he's he's having fun. He's having fun. This is him kind of coasting through him like, okay, I'm Brad Pitt. I'm going to say these lines and I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to get off. But I thought at the be for the first third one, he is doing charming, fun, kind of wild stuff. Uh. He's he's really leaning into it. He's being fun. But then when we get to like the serious bits, especially towards the end, it's like, man, I I know Brad Pitt's a good actor, yeah. but I'm just not feeling what he's doing we, in the second half of that movie. Just to clarify, are we wading into spoiler territory? No, I, I think we're just sort of like, OK, well, we're, hold we're poking on. Around. yeah, 
Uh, we'll go to Margot Robbie next, where you mentioned it. I thought she was just a bolt of energy, like yeah. completely electric for the first. Uh, I don't. I want, I want to say like two thirds of the movie. I, I liked her for a yeah. good long time. Yeah, I think there's one. There's one part in particular. Yeah, yeah. the the, the, the party. Just, yes. Yeah. It kind of just declines, and I mean that's what's supposed to happen to her character. I think you're supposed to feel like just irritated with her. Yeah. Like not, you know, do you, are you irritated with her because she's not being her genuine self? Are you irritated with her because, you know, she's just become a pain in the ass. Like it's, (laughs) it, it can go. I think you're just supposed to feel that way, but I think for the majority of it, she was great. She was great. My only note for part of it was, because she is playing a <laughs> wild, crazy, vivacious mm-hmm. girl from New Jersey, mm-hmm. all I saw was her being Harley Quinn. Yep, I thought the same thing. <laughs> for, a, she, for, a big, for a big part, yeah. The opening scene is this big party, as we mentioned, and she just arrives and just is just this ball oh, of... that statue? Why is that there? She's this ball of chaos with, yeah. with an accent. And I was like, oh, God, is this like the Harley that they wouldn't let her do? Yeah, which I, I, I love her as the Harley in those movies. I think she, that's the, one of the good things about those movies. Um, but I don't think the movies were good. No, the movies are not good. But like <laughs> she I, I, I liked her. her the Harley Quinn the movie is freaking terrible. Yeah. I don't Birds, even Birds remember. Birds of Prey, not great. Is that what it's called? Birds today? of Prey is it and called, is that what the it's Emancipation called today? of the Fantabulous Harley <laughs> Quinn or something. Um, yeah, I think, boy, it's, for, for a good portion, I was like, you know what, man, that's the Margot Robbie I like to see. Mm-hmm. She's, she's, she is doing it. Uh, and I was like, is, is this like uh, a nomination in her? But then it just, it again hard turn and it's like all right i I no longer like your character i don't even really like what you're doing anymore like yeah i would say yes for a nomination so d- before we get too deep while we're mentioning it they did get uh nine nominations uh at the golden globes <laughs> um so those include uh best picture yeah. musical or comedy uh or so that was nine nominations at the Critics' Choice. Five nominations at uh, the Golden Globes, which are I'm pulling those up. If it would just click for me, all right. Uh, best motion picture, musical, or comedy. Uh, best actor for Diego Calva. Best actress for Margot Robbie. Uh, supporting actor for Brad and r- original score for Justin Hurwitz, who I will say the score Deserved. score is incredible. Yeah, like I was thinking that for a good portion of. The jazzy notes are sort of akin to La La Land. It's not a musical by any means, but it does. There is heavy influence of music in there. It does play with the music. And I, Justin Hurwitz has been a longtime collaborator with uh, Chazelle. So that's, I think that's um, deserved for sure. The music in this movie is incredible, mm-hmm. uh, especially, the like I said, the jazzy notes. And that mostly comes through the character of Sidney Palmer, who's played by Jovan Adepo. First time I've ever he seen was him. Great. But he was he was His great. His story yeah. broke my heart. Yeah. I think of of the characters that kind of go through this movie, he is the guy that like I wanted to see more of him. Yeah. Like his story is so interesting and like you said, you, you feel for him. Uh and I I love that supporting performance from uh from Jovan Adepo. Uh 
Um, well, yeah, move on to Diego Calva, who. Uh, great. Yeah. He was great. So his, he's the heart of that movie. He doesn't have a whole lot of credits. He for most people, he, they might know him from uh, the latest season of Narcos, Narcos Mexico. He has a six episode stint there. He's been in a couple other TV shows. He's been in mostly Mexican film, and this is his first big American uh, release. Bravo. So he was great. Yeah. Uh, like you said, the guy that kind of builds his way up from the, the part-timer with this catering crew, I guess. And then... I think he was just like an assistant. He was just a guy, and he just becomes a gopher for anybody that's yeah, in his vicinity. He kind of... Kind of latches on to Brad Pitt. He, he lands jelly side up a lot. Yeah. But he's also like a very genuine person. Like he's not trying to like shyst his way into anything. He's just a guy who loves the suspension of reality that comes with movies, wants to be on a set, loves the environment. Befriending Brad Pitt is never going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, and he, I think his, uh, I'm trying to find like the, the quality about him. It's sort of like a wide eyed. Cause yeah. he, he starts the movie off. He, they have a conversation with uh, Margot Robbie about just the love of movies. It transports you like, this is mm-hmm. the, the, the dream. I want to work on a movie set. And eventually he does. And you follow that. It's, it's really sort of like, wow, look at him go. And then at a certain point, again, we take that turn. It's like, Oh boy, look at him go. Yeah. I mean, we'll, We'll dissect that Again, a little more. His, his story, I think, is the one that is the hurt the most. Hard right turn. I, like, really out of nowhere. And it's, it's unfortunate. Well, again, we'll just dissect it because I, I have thoughts about it. Yeah, okay. Um, but, 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 I think that's where we can stop with, like, the main players. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, we're dancing around it. So let's just, uh, let's close off the non-spoiler portion. Would you recommend people see this? Um... You have to be like, I feel like you have to be interested in the industry mm-hmm. or film history um, to really like sit through it. So sure. like, yes, with an asterisk. Yeah. So maybe like, no, with an asterisk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, Beyond I, that, like it's, it's, as I mentioned, it's three hours long it's it if feels you're it, not it feels its length if you're not committed to to that then then don't don't waste your time go yeah i wouldn't I'd go watch something else <laughs> like again i thought this was going to be an easy like yeah everybody should see this movie like, like la la through. land la la land goes down easy it's concise it's beautiful this about yeah is different. halfway through i was gonna say yeah this is amazing like why is this getting the reputation it's getting this is incredibly fun every and the thing is like you want to take a, a theater reaction i haven't been in a theater with that much energy in a good but and it was funny because <laughs> we, before the movie played there was a little bit of um margot robbie and diego calva sitting there like wow thank you for coming out to this movie where you've come out and you're seeing it with an energetic crowd and we looked around like oh yeah real energetic here we go and then sure enough like we were laughing we were reacting Mm -hmm. it was a great crowd at a movie theater Mm -hmm. for a for a monday night and then the second half of the movie i think we were just so quiet yeah what the hell is happening um when it comes to awards do you think will will it get to those same categories for the oscars 
Like, will will this be nominated for a, one of the ten best picture slots? Yeah, you think so? Because it's about the industry. You can't. You can never rule it out. Yeah, I'm. I'm only curious about that based on the reactions from critics. Like, if it will, you can never still rule land. it out. Um, I think technically it's very good. Cinematically, I think I think it's well shot. Yeah, I love the. You're the not going to be able to like discount that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it'll it'll be nominated for. Any of the three actors? Performances. Margot Robbie is a lock. Brad Pitt sure. is um, strongly favorable. I think Diego. Could be tough. Because again, it's just because they, they shorten those categories up. So it's it's a little bit tough. For, Music, for the Oscars. yes. Screenplay, maybe. Yeah. I, I th- the mu- musical score, I would, I would say it would. Um, all right. Well, that's uh, the non-spoilers on Babylon. If you take all we had to say and you <laughs> think... I, I want to sit through this. More power to you. I think it is a great cinematic experience for an hour and a half. And then it's you, also not one of yeah. those that's like you have to see this on the big screen. No. Wait for it to come out on Paramount Plus so you can pause it and go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure it'll be there. Um, all right, we'll get to the spoilers. I think what we have here in Hollywood is high art. It's. All right, into the plot details here of Babylon. Again, the movie, within three minutes, you're seeing an elephant poop straight out of its butt, like right into your face. Yep. And that, unfortunately... Graphically so. When I saw that, I'm like, this better not be a metaphor for the rest of this goddamn movie. Um, Yeah. It is and it isn't. Like, this movie is not complete elephant shit. It's not. It's it's very good. For a portion. I can't speak to this, but maybe it's like an evening on cocaine. <laughs> there is a lot of cocaine being done throughout the movie. <laughs> so much cocaine. I don't know if 1926 Los Angeles had access to that much cocaine. I mean, probably. But it, they, they did it. Um, this movie like, is so- eh, okay. Then it's like, whoa. And then it's like, whoa. The movie is really so frustrating because I want to go to what I think is like my favorite scene i have watched all year in movies i feel like i'm gonna put five dollars down right now that it's the same scene that i'm thinking the 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 making of the the sound movie where she's like going to college yeah yeah yes so (laughs) the build up of this scene it's so we're 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 moving out of silent pictures moving into talking movies and they're I knew some of this just based on film history, like how these movies were made, like the technical steps, but someone's like talking into a plant, but not to the degree and seeing it happen was just so good. Like, yeah, that like, I need them to clip out this part and show it to film film classes. Yes. Because this is what making those movies was like. Yes. The sound was so particular. The, the film guy had to be in this sweat box because you the camera made too much noise. Yeah. So it had to have the soundproof box and it got so fucking hot. And so like you're just building up and building up of Margot Robbie missing her spot. The guy coming down, so yelling, yeah, yelling, yelling back and forth. It, let's set the scene. So Margot Robbie's character has just arrived to college. She's got to walk into a room, drop her bag. Hit her mark. Well, she's got to walk into the room, hit her mark, drop the bag, say, hello, college. And then 
walk to the other side of the room to pick up the phone and then have a conversation with the president of the university on the party line. It's it's literally like a 30 second scene that they need. Yeah, it takes like 18 <laughs> takes and it's it's brilliant the way that they cut us together you see the exact same the the exact same steps of her taking the steps to hit the mark to miss the mark she says the thing too loud then she says it too soft then she says it kind of quirky then she does like a twirl and like then they want to move the mic and then the the guy in the camera booth was like yelling moving the mic is gonna take half an hour and you don't have half an hour on a movie set so let's just work with what we got and then she's sweating because all the lights are there because you can't have air conditioning we can't have air conditioning because it's too loud and you can't shoot outside because you just can't you're in a bot yeah you gotta be so in a room. it's all of these factors and they just they play it over and over and over oh, again that's, and then, it's the repetition that is so that just like layers and layers and layers and layers even the sound oh my god i wanted to kill the sound guy <laughs> where he's like oh my god there's a metal pin in your leg don't move could you not move your leg <laughs> have you had surgery recently i was gonna kill him <laughs> just so good and it just you see margot robbie get frustrated she's well, screaming at everybody that, the thing that was kind of i i took note at first i was like is this happening and then once you got like four of the takes in uh whenever you, they always like focused on her steps walking in like showing like her i don't know from her calves down in these heels and you just would see the sweat start to build up on her legs yeah every time oh it's she took everywhere you see like pit stains too mm-hmm. and it, it it just it again builds to where everyone is yelling at each other and the tension in the room is you can feel the heat in that room yeah that is then being translated to the heat in that camera box it was so and good it ends up with the cameraman literally dying of heat he comes smoke. out all the time he's like oh my god it's so hot and everyone's like no, no get, get back, back in, in the there. fucking box and then he they get the take they finally get it like she's oh, done. oh kevin she, were you rolling she hangs up the phone she puts it down the director yells cut and then they're like yeah celebration show the guy did you get it no response did you get it no response they have to pry the box open and he just falls out collapses dead (laughs) oh he's dead brilliant just like uh, oh my god yeah brilliant honestly the best the best scene in the whole movie like when this movie comes out on streaming and i'm sure it gets clipped to youtube look for this scene because it it, like i'm truly serious Clip this out, give it to film history classes, film studies, whatever. Yeah, you want to talk about how hard that transition was? Watch this. You this know is why. That, like, oh, uh, rubber soles on your shoes. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, right, a metal pin. People not knowing that the red light means don't come in. Oh, Someone People sneezes. kept opening the door. <laughs> There's this producer, this poor producer, or maybe he's just like an 80. He like is screaming at everybody and he gets to a point and he says if one more person makes an effing sound i'm going to take a shit on you <laughs> it's just like he really goes in lays into some anti-semitism s- against like this poor guy oh that sneezed gosh, yeah. like anti-semitism not funny but man he fucking laid in like <laughs> it, it was only funny because of like we got to this the, breaking the point tension, where the guy just yeah. like lost his yeah. mind over 30 seconds yeah, of just a like 30 second scene. Oh, oh, hello, college. Wow. Wonder what I'm going to do. Hello, Mr. Dean. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> craziness. Um, and I, but that's, 
that's the height of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because once we get through, like, well, where do we want? How do you? Where do we, where should we go? Where do you want to start with? I don't know. Do you want to go with Brad? Yeah. Okay. So Brad is is, is ultimately a sad story. Very of a man, kind of like just. Falling out of favor, falling out of usefulness, and being unable to cope with that. Um, as we said, he goes through the multiple wives and girlfriends, and clearly he's just a guy that doesn't have his life together. But when he's in silent films, he's the king of the world. Yeah. He's the highest grossing man. He's, he's the number one guy at MGM at the time. Yeah. Uh, and we see him just drunkenly filming like this Crusades movie. Um, <laughs> which the crew that's, I think the, the, my second favorite scene in the movie is them filming the this Crusades giant the medieval fight where A- another man dies <laughs> because, well, you got Manny that has now latched himself onto Brad Pitt and, uh, you know, it has to go rally the strike. Some really good laughs of just th- them running around shoots the gun while he's on the horse oh, yeah. and like so rally these people the together. The crusades are being filmed by a bunch of extras they pulled in from Skid Row. Yeah. And they are trying to negotiate higher wages. They sick Manny to like babysit him and <laughs> they start chasing Manny around the around the open field of the set and he like gets on a horse with a gun and starts shooting at him. Yeah. <laughs> Again, when and then Manny has to go on this errand of like all this the is cameras, about Brad Pitt, though. Don't all worry. the cameras have broken. He's got to go run into town, get the camera. He has to wait. They're losing the light. They got there. The director, oh, we're losing light. We got to do it. Brad Pitt then drunkenly stumbles out of his uh, tent. Up a hill. They have to push him up a hill. He almost throws up before going on stage. Goes up and just delivers the line, or not the line because it's silent, but just delivers the scene in like this beautiful cinema, the sunset, a butterfly lands on his shoulder. The battle <laughs> is going on in the background. It's, the director just, oh my God, we got it. And, and again, this movie is at its best when it's like movie magic. This is how these things are made. This is what they create. This is high art. It is high art. It has, as Brad Pitt will defend to Catherine Waterston, his Broadway <laughs> girlfriend later in the movie. Um, that's the height of the movie. The, the movie making, the, yes. the Hollywood of it all. And I was, again, when we got through those scenes, I was so ready to give all the praise in the world to this movie. Like, yes, it was self-indulgent in the ways of, like, looking at Hollywood and, like, lifting it up again. Like, we've, we've seen it before plenty of times. But it did it in such a soaring, golden way. And then it decided to tell the rest of its story. Yeah, which is Brad just the Pitt's not parts. necessarily a part of that, though. He like we mentioned before, he kind of represents like someone who has the hardest time, maybe not the hardest, but a harder time transitioning from silent films to talkies. And he makes a couple of movies. They're OK. He makes a couple of movies and they're stinkers. And he sort of gets branded as like not viable anymore. Yep. The he studio, goes into a theater and sees everyone. This, this big scene that we thought was, or no, this was a, a, a later scene in another movie. He films this, he's supposed to be giving this dramatic speech of like, you're the love of my life. You mean everything to the world. And his Broadway fiance, I guess, uh, wife, wife was trying to give him like 
oh, the subtext. And this is how you, you are the love, like trying to walk him through the lines. And he learns of his friend committed suicide. The guy who like discovered him and gave him his talent. And so this is like the people that knew him and saw in him, like what made him such a star have all fallen off. And now he's like, I'm here to prove myself being the, the big star and the great actor and high art. And he, he thinks he delivers this dramatic scene. Yeah. And then he goes and sees people watching in the theater from the back. And everyone starts laughing when he delivers yeah, his big dramatic cringe. line. And he, that's when he sort of just dives deep yeah. off the end of. Yeah, the, the studio stops taking his calls. He kind of has to do some, maybe some PR damage control or what he thinks is PR damage control. He does it. Yeah, there's with a, Jean, Jean with Smart. a reporter. Yeah, she was great. She plays a like a. Gossip columnist type person. Yeah, I think she works for like some sort of industry magazine. Sure. Because she's like behind the scenes and like talking about the making of some of these movies. Um, but, she, you know, he's he's doing everything he can to keep the life of his career going. Um, and he even, you know, makes another movie after after all that. But he, you know, says to the studio executive, like, cut the shit. Tell me the truth is are, you want me to be in this movie? Because I have to save your ass. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is it shit? Yes. Like, okay, fine. Yeah. Like, but- and you even see it. It's, it's such a bit part where like the, on the set, the director is giving all this direction to like one of the actors. Yeah. And there's like, Hey, uh, Jack, you, you good to go? And just, yeah. Yep. <sighs> and, and so it's beyond that, you know, he, he just sort of accepts his fate and ends up, ends up killing himself. Yeah. Uh, they 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 hide it from you. They you know nothing they, graphic like getting shit on by an elephant. No, you see some blood splatter on the wall, but but beyond that, it's sort of it's very played as like a solemn, sad thing because it is like there. And it, I thought it was really interesting how they did that because you you don't he goes into he goes into a hotel room and he closes the door kind of slams the door it doesn't, so it, doesn't it doesn't latch but it you can just see into it and what you can see is directly into the to the bathroom just like some towels on the wall he commits the act you see the splatter and everything and i thought it was a really interesting portrayal of that because him as an actor or you know him being an actor you see everything that he's gone through mm-hmm. you see him drunkenly waiting for a camera while he's like writing a script basically you see him perform you see him you see him you know hanging out the car as manny drives him home and then he like falls off of his porch into the pool and like all of these very intimate details where he's basically invited the camera yeah into into his life like like an actor would but then Mm -hmm. for this it's like no you don't get to see this yeah again and silent right and silent uh you you hit on one thing it's not important to this part of the arc here but one of my favorite little like one-off jokes he's dictating the script to the people in the room and he says something like frankly scarlet get fucked (laughs) 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 where it's like clearly playing on casablanca my um my favorite little like tidbit from Brad Pitt's character is that his 
opening lines mm. are in Italian. <laughs> and if anyone has ever seen him in Inglorious Bastards, he does not do Italian well. Bongiorno. And and in this, he's he's just talking to a very pissed off Olivia Wilde in Italian. And she Is it she, funny that his first divorce is to Olivia Wilde? Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, but yes, ultimately a sad, a sad story, but a very true reality that mm-hmm. I think he has a conversation with Jean Smart kind of before all of this happens, where she kind of reads him the truth of like, you had your moment. This like you are, you yeah, are. That, ensh- this, his poignant moment is this. You are enshrined yeah. in Hollywood history. And there will be people that come along after you die that will see you and interact with you. And, and that is your legacy. That's what you, you are. You will live now. on. That's what you are now. Mm-hmm. And she Something equa- about like ghosts dancing with angels. She equates it well. as She says, it's the same thing that's going to happen to me. There's going to be more of you. There's going to be more people like me. And I think that just kind of helped him cope with everything. Well, or say. Or drive him or to Or just it. say, yeah, you're done. You might as well not do anything else because that's it. Yeah. And I, I think this is part of the movie that if they had focused in on the actual arc of these people that transitioned from the silent films to the talking movies to uh and and kind of just uh cataloged that bit of history i think this would be an incredible movie a credible bit of historical fiction to just kind of tell that story of that sort of people you know it's it's sort of like um funnily and i thought this because of it being Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie in an old school Hollywood sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I did get some like once upon a time in Hollywood sort of vibe Yeah, where like, yes, once upon a time in Hollywood has a crazy ending of its own, but it's just sort of crazy. Like, what the hell? Oh my God. Which <laughs> is fun. But this is, but it's sort of a thing of you're telling a story about a moment in time in movie making history. And I think if it had limited itself to that and kind of focused more on this stuff, yes, it, it would certainly be that Oscar pandering sort of stuff. But I think it would have been a little bit more resonant and a little bit more. Um, I think it would have overcome all the flaws because I think the flaws are where it drifts away from that stuff. Yes, and you see that more with uh, with our other two characters. Uh, do you want to go with Manny or? I want to go with Margot Robbie. Okay, because Manny has a bit of like a there's like a a point in Manny's story where he's acting on behalf of Margot Robbie. Sure. That, like, I want to save for the end. Okay. Uh, so Margot Robbie, I guess this also gives us an opportunity to, to dive a little bit more into that beginning with the big party that mm-hmm. kind of kicks off the movie. Uh, as we said, she sort of a- arrives crashing into a statue, and she's trying to play herself off as, I'm actually, she's trying to get into the party. She's lying to the security, to, saying she's some different actress. She just wants to get in there and be seen by somebody and get her break because she left her shitty life behind with high, you know, the Hollywood dreams mm-hmm. that all these people had back in the it's, day. It's the dream people that they sing now. about in the opening number of La La Land. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just another day of sun. Um, and she on her way in, in that Manny is outside. He like, takes her like oh here's a back way and she's like oh where are the drugs and it's like okay well so she's gonna be a party girl and because another party girl actress that was there that was peeing on a man yep. uh she od'd yep uh 
I, I don't even, oh God, that I just, I, it was one of those things where like, yeah, okay. You're being, you're showing all the debauchery, but like to what end? Like it just seemed gratuitous. Correct. Um, like you could have been debaucherous without like being just flat out gross, uh, which it certainly is for a lot of it. Anyway, she gets in there, she finds her way to the dance floor and she's just a, a firecracker. She's dancing. She's impressing it. She's just, she has this line of when she's talking to Manny, she says, I'm a star. And he's like, I've never heard of you. No, you're, no, you're trying to be a star. You're not in like, anything. Yeah. And she's like, you either are a star or you ain't. It has nothing <laughs> to do with, you know, who's seen you. And you, you have that to have that quality, which it's is true, is a true thing. Like you can be a phenomenal actress, but you have to have that self-confidence, that quality of like, oh, that is a charismatic, magnetic person. I think a good example of of someone who struggles in that department is Amy Adams. She sure. is she is a phenomenal actress, but yeah. there's just something to her that's missing that everyone that that allows everyone to overlook her. Let the record state I like Amy Adams. Right, I'm just talking about, <laughs> like look at her record though. Sure. She's nominated for all this shit and she hasn't won anything. No, but I think there's some people don't want to be that extra level of stardom and like this is in Margot Robbie's character is certainly somebody that wants her name in lights sure, more than anything else. Sure. Um, and because again, because this girl OD'd, she gets this part. She's like, you got to show up and just be a bar girl. Yes. For a, for a silent short. And again, this is another interesting part of the movie where she ends up showing up at the silent film studio, which is they pour the name of this studio is kinescope, which it becomes a stand in for uh, paramount later because it is a paramount movie and there's a lot of scenes that end up being shot on the paramount yeah, lot we'll later talk in the about movie that. Yeah. um and so it's this like patch of dirt with all these like one room facades doing so many different bits of movie and it's like in my head i'm like wait aren't these things all gonna like bleed into each other but they're all silent movies back in the day so it doesn't matter what they sound like you could film you know door to door and it wouldn't be a problem but she has this this bit in this movie where she just takes on a, a life. She, that is like, Oh, we have discovered somebody here out of thin air. This person is vivacious and charismatic and she can act. She can cry in a dime. So much, so much fun bits going on there with where you kind of see the talent that she does have. Yeah, absolutely. I think her, her scenes of in that bar short, are really fun because they they the director's like can you cry less (laughs) you know she has all these one tier or two she has all these ridiculous requests and margot robbie we should call her by her character name nelly Mm -hmm. nelly is like hell yeah let's do it you want to you want me to dance with these people in the bar okay and she kind of takes it and makes it her own and she really does have this meteoric rise to the point where she's kind of conniving part of her rise and this i thought was such a smart fun little thing they did because everybody in there's there's a lot of people that have like doppelgangers and it's sort of like a they're obviously two people and you can if you put them side by side there's differences but if you're just doing it real fast you're like wait is that the same so her the the actress that's supposed to have the big part in this in this little thing is played by Samara Weaving, mm-hmm. Hugo Weaving's daughter, mm-hmm. uh, for those that don't know. Hugo Weaving being 
Elrond in Lord of the Rings, a- Agent Smith on the Matrix. Um, and she is Margot Robbie in f- every like bit of her facial structure and like manner. It's like I-, I saw a trailer of a movie that she was in, and I'm like, oh, did- there's a new Margot Robbie movie coming out, and I didn't even think about it. And I was and when it came out, I was like, that is, I didn't see it, but it was like Samara, we that's not Margot Robbie, <laughs> and so. In in this bit, it's just funny to me seeing like these are two people that look the same. Yeah, but Margot Robbie has or uh, Nelly has that it factor that this uh, Constance Moore that Samara Weaving is playing mm-hmm. does not. Yeah, and Samara or uh, Con- the Constance Moore character actually is like financing this movie, and so Margot Robbie's character Nelly gets surgery to bankrupt her. Just you know. <laughs> to to put the the so, sideline the film and bankrupt her, but yeah, but that's all part of this meteoric rise to fame and fortune and party lifestyle that is just fitting for her in a silent movie age where she can just be the wild child as she's labeled, mm-hmm. and then she never grows out of that. She doesn't. There's there's I think her my tipping point with her is where she's at a party at Jack's. <laughs> Yeah, so the, and she there's arrives, a setup for it. She arrives with the USC football team. Walks, oh, this part, yes. Walks into the yard saying, hey, Sparkle Cox. <laughs> it's party time, Sparkle Cox. <laughs> Which I literally had to text you that because I'm like, I do not want to forget this line. Yeah. Holy, like that's, I, again, this is when the movie is still crazy fun. I can't believe that people hate this. This is incredible. Yeah, and it's it's that for at least in my opinion, that party is where it turns f- like for her. Yeah. Um she's in the bathroom, she hears some guys talking shit and just kind of goes off the rails. Her dad is her manager and her dad sucks. Um Eric Roberts plays her dad. Um and he, he you know, he's the business manager dad that wants to like make a, yeah. like get a restaurant at some and point uh, tells everybody about like his own successes and whatever at some point a little bit earlier manny and her have a conversation in a car because they just happen to meet up in new york yes and she goes to see her mom who's like in a mental hospital and she sort of complains about her dad you know the way he manages her and manny's like well why don't you just fire him and he's like well, who else would I get to do it? Oh, I have to, my dad should do it. Like, oh no, he says, why don't you get somebody else to do it? He says, yeah, that person's my dad. Yeah. And that so turns out to be a bad career decision. It does her. because, you know, it results then in her like turning to the entire party and saying, who wants to see my dad fight a snake? He's been going around the party telling the same story about how he fought a rattlesnake. And she's just at this breaking point of like, I need, I th- in my head, when I saw this happening, and as it leads, they go out into the desert to find a rattlesnake for him to fight, and she gets mad when he like passes out. She loses she, it. She wanted him to die. Yeah, is what, is what. Oh yeah, that was supposed to be the the rattlesnake was supposed to kill him so that she wouldn't be stuck in this situation yeah. with him. Instead, he just passes out right in front of the snake. And so she just goes batshit crazy, picks up the snake, starts shaking it around. Who's going to fight the snake? I'll fight it myself. And sure enough, the snake bites her in the neck. 
And she, there is just anarchy for like 45 seconds of all of these people wild. running around and she's screaming with a snake coming out of her neck. Yeah, you're you're right. Like the, the wild chaotic nature of this movie just hits the crescendo right here because it never gets any wilder than this. I mean, it does, but like not no, in a, you're not incorrect, a, not in a good way yeah. is what I mean. Like this is when it's still kind of like, this is insane. What is in Brad Pitt gets hit by a car. She's dying of the snake. Uh, this Japanese lady that's been around the, the productions cuts off the snake's head, sucks the blood out of Margot oh Robbie's neck. That was disgusting. It's I didn't even look at it. Just absolute wildness. Yeah. And you would think, okay, this is, this is like her breaking point. She's going to be a different person yes. after this event. She's been then since branded as, as, as you mentioned, the wild child, but like, it's really tarnished her image and her career. She's nobody wants to work with her. Not very employable. She doesn't talk very well because she's from Jersey. And, yeah, they make a point of and saying isn't very eloquent. This portion of films, when you start getting into the talkies, you get a little bit because the 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 wild party days are gone, where you can't do that stuff anymore because you're on film now. People have to hear you and see you and they want some sort of morality portrayed in these talking pictures. Oh, and that's a, that was a phase of, of, you know, Hollywood is like, is everything kind of being very diluted. Um, so she goes to this like hoity toity party where she has to, you know, say things with full syllables at the end. Puts on that affectation that, a lot of those actresses of the time had where they talk like this. It's sort of a mid-Atlantic accent. Not quite British, but not quite American. Very waspy. Oh, wow. <laughs> sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and she just can't hold it up. Be very highbrow about she it. it. She can't hold it up. She, she tries and she doesn't. And that is probably like, if the snake shit was the first domino, yeah. this is immediately the second domino. Um, where I was like, this, she's just a headache now. The movie, like if she can't, is... she can't hold it together for like a party, even it, you know, and again, this is what I ca- called back to before where I was like, do I, you know, is it getting to a point where like, I don't like her because she's not being her genuine self or is she just being annoying? Absolutely. Like I, I, this part where I was, I was having this thing of. Initially, when she rebels against all these people at the party, I thought which was also violently graphic. Yeah, but she eats all this food, throws this huge tantrum. But when she's having the party, when she's yelling at them, though, I was like, "Is this the point? Like, oh, she's going to stand up for herself and be who she is, and maybe that'll lead her to like be true to herself." No, it doesn't. No, (laughs) because as you said, in graphic. Yeah, she throws this tantrum, leaves the party, feels sick, comes back to the party, and you see a very, very (laughs) detailed depiction of her throwing up all over the place. Yes. Uh, Just horrifying. Projectile vomiting on the carpet, on the host, on... I wonder if that was... uh, Never mind. (laughs) Well, again, it's just like... That was a thing where, like, nobody vomits that much. Like, that's more vomit than any person has in their body. Uh, And it's... It was another point of the movie being, it, it was like a family guy joke of how disgusting absolutely it was. absolutely agree with like, you. Like, between the elephant poop, between the, the woman peeing on the person, between everything you see in that opening party, and then you get a whole period where that's not happening and it sort of, like, levels out. Yeah. And then it's the grossness of the, the rattlesnake bite that goes into 
the grossness of her literally vomiting up and down a human body, like yeah. covering a man and head to toe and vomit. It was just like, all right, this movie, this, I think this was one of the points, like you said, where the movie truly lost me. Yeah. And it, I was so into it, as I've said so many times now, way into it. And it just, it, it, the movie curdled like bad milk <laughs> very quickly. And yeah. it, it was, it's unfortunate because this is, this had everything of a great soaring Oscar type movie that just cur- turned into curdled milk by yep. this point in the movie. I want to put a pin in Margot Robbie's story. Sorry, Nellie's story. Yes. Right now and then talk about Manny and then we'll meet up. Yeah, the, uh, they're the only point. ones that really weave back together because Manny, Manny sort of weaves in and out of, of everybody. everybody. Um, Manny, he's the guy that we see getting this elephant that we mentioned at the party. He, 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 you see him as like he's the the gopher. He's getting this elephant, has to get it on a truck. Very funny scene of it's supposed to be a horse. Uh, <laughs> and then they have to like you know the ele- the the cars back in 1926 not strong enough to pull an elephant, so they're getting behind it trying to Why make sure it doesn't go down the hill. Why didn't they just walk the elephant up the hill? And that was my thought. <laughs> um, instead, they get behind the elephant to make sure that the truck doesn't go down the hill, and they get completely shit all over. <laughs> Uh, Manny does and his buddy does what's I, helping uh, yeah. Manny is then like security at this party and the head of security by the way flee of the red hot chili peppers oh really that's funny um, yeah so uh, Manny goes to this party he befriends Marco Robbie by the end of the party he ends up having to drive uh, Jack Conrad Brad Pitt home and in doing so, he then be- essentially becomes his does, personal assistant. It's worth noting, though, he does see Margot Robbie off because she gets in her car and drives off. Yeah. And he, and he says that he's in love with her. He gives this speech in there, too, of, of being in love with the movies. And you see him as the, the aspirational character. He is like the, the lawful good of this movie. Of You're the good guy. We want to see you succeed. Go, go Manny. Like, mm-hmm. all, all behind mm-hmm. whatever you're doing. He does everything he needs to do for, for Jack. He helps out the movie that Jack's filming on. Like we said, he goes and gets the camera, uh, a very tense and also kind of funny scene, but he just keeps showing his worth time and time again. Um, up to the point where he eventually starts getting more into the production side of the movie. And he gets, uh, he has this idea of, you know, Hey, the, he looks at the band and we see, um, Jovan Adepo, uh, Sidney Palmer in the band. And he says, Hey, why don't we, because he has this conversation at craft services of like, hey, you're pointing the camera the wrong direction. So it's like he creates these concert films centered around black musicians. Um, and that's, again, elevates his rise. He's gone from a lackey at a crazy Hollywood orgy party security force to being a personal assistant to working on the production to now being a studio executive because he gets hired from MGM over to Kinescope to sort of right. lead it's the revival worth, of Margot Robbie. It's worth noting he gets swayed away from MGM to Kinoscope under, not under the guise, but rather this, the pitch that this guy gives him is that he'll be head of sound, whatever, make, yeah. make Hispanic language films, um, all this stuff, all ideas heard, and... He, he, the, the guy from Kinescope knows that Manny can rein in Nelly. Yeah. And they need him to do that. And, and, and that, that is the selling point for him and why he goes to Kinescope and does do the 
the transition makes the concert films over at kinescope you have uh one of the studio executives which i thought was funny is uh his name in the in the movie is don wallach but it's jeff garland don wallach is the guy who is throwing the party at the beginning yes yeah right and don and, and jeff garland of course is larry david's agent in curb your enthusiasm so it was funny <laughs> to see him like as a studio person it's it, it just that's his he's character got, like three scenes and he's fine yeah he's he's fine but like as as a curb fan i was like oh yeah look at you doing the same job you do all the time um so yeah the manny gets sort of tries to lead the revival and that leads to we're gonna make you into a lady and that's why she has to yeah get gussied up and learn how to speak properly and go to that party Mm -hmm. um sydney is also at the party and he Sydney Palmer, yeah. Yeah, Sydney Palmer is also at the party. He sits down and filled gets, with white people, of course. He gets cornered by these white people just asking him the oh, most. Oh, it's just in this wonderful that Negroes are in pictures now. Yeah. Wonder oh, how do you what were your musical influences? Yeah. Hmm, yes. Just like this sing, canary sing kind of thing. It was really awkward. You feel really more, more dance monkey dance. Yeah. <laughs> Very awkward for yeah. him. You feel for him. And then it it carries over into this gut-wrenching scene where he's on set filming with this band mm-hmm. for one of Manny's, you know, movies and a producer, production hand, who, whoever, comes up to him and basically says that the with how the band has been cast and the way that the lighting is and mm-hmm. whatever, he is not black enough. The rest of his players are, are much darker in complexion and he's not a, he's not a light guy. He's, you know, a, a pretty middle of the road shade of, of he is a, black. He's a black man. He's a black, he's just a regular, he it looks like a regular black dude. Like you wouldn't he is told think anything of it that he needs, you know, Manny has to be the guy to tell him, Hey, you have to put this on. Otherwise yeah. the studio won't, it, they it, asked the black they can't, fact. They the, can't promote the movie in the South because it looks like he's white. And then they, they wouldn't want a mixed band. Will, yeah. that, they don't want a mixed band that will sink the movie. They won't make it, blah, blah, blah. And if he doesn't do this, he's responsible for a bunch of people out of work, not getting paid, all of this stuff. And he makes the heart wrenching decision to wear blackface. Bla- asking a black actor. To, to wear blackface. And they yeah. show this scene of him playing this incredible trumpet solo. And just, you can see the, the anger the in his eyes. The it's anger horrible. and the pain in his eyes. It's it was, it was very well done. Very well done. Absolutely heart-wrenching. Yeah. And a very sign- like important moment. So everyone on who works on a set has a card that lets them in the door. Um. And he goes up to security as he's walking out and he puts his card on the security guard's desk. And he's like, hey, you can't come back without yeah. this. And he's like, I don't need it. And not he, even that. He put his keys on top of the car. Yeah. He's not taking the car that he earned yeah. with his money from the studio. And because they, they, they do a nice job of taking him and showing this new because la- all these people, they show them like what they're living in when they start the movie and what they're living in later when they hit their stardom. Yeah. And it's this true rags to riches. Like, wow, that's incredible for you that you've gotten to this point. And now he's giving it up, standing up for himself, whereas Manny didn't. 
Yeah. Manny, this is that's sort of the turning point for Manny, where it's like, you are this guy we're rooting for. You've stood up, you're just the good guy. And now you have to be the bad guy. Yeah. You have to tell Nelly to change herself. You have to tell uh Sydney yeah, that he's not like, black enough. And just keeping up appearances BS that these people get drawn into all the time. Manny for the was sake different. Of- and now he's yeah, just now he's like just one like of them. everyone else. He's just one it of was heart wrenching and an absolutely wonderful execution of a very tough story to tell. And you see Sydney later, he's playing with a band in a jazz club, hole in the wall type place and completely happy and thriving. So good for him. Following that, yeah, I'm trying to we, f- find the, how we how we get back for him. So, well, we just go to the house, right? And there, it, we don't know, but it, we, it's eventually we find out it's Manny's house, and someone's pa- pounding yes. on the door. Yeah, okay, so there there isn't anything in between there between the party and here of them interacting, but yeah, continue. Right, so Nellie arrives saying she's in deep shit because she's racked up. 85 grand worth of gambling debts with this really bad dude. Because it's mentioned throughout that she has her gambling problem because that's how the USC football team got there. Yes. To that party. They, she won in a gambling thing. Um, it's, uh, and she needs Manny to bail her out because Manny always takes care of her. Manny's always nice to her. And Manny finally snaps. Yeah. Ye- I would like too. Yelling I was, in Spanish. I would too. I was so pissed at her. I got to say a, a, a little production note. Bravo to the team doing this for not having subtitles for every Spanish yeah. conversation. Like I know enough Spanish that I I don't know exactly what he said, but I I got what he was saying. You know her. exactly what he means. He's yeah. pissed as hell. And like, that's the point. Yeah, just telling her to shut up. You've done so many things. I have sacrificed so much. I've tried to help you again and again, and all you do is bring me pain, sort of thing. Yeah. He even says, "You broke my heart. You break my heart." Yeah. Because he's uh, in love with her. And so he has to, he, he says he'll take find, care of it. He, he takes care of it. He has to find a way to get $85,000 to yeah. this person. They, he, he keeps her in the house as well. Mm-hmm. To like, and she can't go home. Right. She can't go home, but she's also not changing her ways. She's there. The, the room in Manny's house looks as messy as her initial squalor house did back in the day. Yep. She's clearly just, racing on on cocaine the entire yep. time um they, and he so manny somehow through the help of a fucking prop <laughs> hand or something the whose name is the count the count that's right because he he's supplies, always wearing like, a all cape the, he's wearing a cape he supplies all the drugs on set to people like, you yeah. see him throughout the movie he's a very funny bit player that now has a important role at the end of this movie he he somehow comes up with $85,000 for Manny. So him yeah. and Manny go to this guy's house to drop off the money and get, and he gets pulled into having a conversation with this big deal dude um, <laughs> played by surprise cameo. Toby McGuire. Toby McGuire. Looking who looks like weird. just really just like unwell. Yeah. Uh, kind of a, like a jaundice in the face, uh, yellow teeth, sickly. Like red redness around the yeah, eyes. Yeah, but he's also got like the velvet jacket and sort yeah. of the ascot look of like a, you know, um, yeah. So they get trapped there, and um, Toby Maguire goes off to talk to or get drinks yeah. or something for somebody, and Manny talks to the count about how he got all of this money in two yeah. days. Well, 
before we get into it, this again, when we're talking about the movie turning. This is that turning point. This is like, none of this needed to be included. I, I would be so happy if they cut it. Like the movie was about making movies in Hollywood. The movie is not about this, this weird den of depravity that Tobey Maguire has created as a gambling boss and like all this death we'll, threats. We'll it, get into uh, that. It's I can't like, yes, the, the, the movie, as we said, is long. It is way too long. This is the part that I would lop right off with yep. no reservations yep. whatsoever. Toby didn't need to even be in the movie. No. No, and I don't even think Toby Aguirre is a weird actor to me because he always seems to kind of do the same thing a lot. It's yeah. kind of just like awkward and weird. Did you ever see him in The Great Gatsby? I did. I thought, I, but he played, the Nick Carraway he yeah. plays in that is very good because he's sort of this loser that is like, you know, looking across the lake or the, the, the jetty or whatever the hell it is and like longing for this life. And he sort of fits in that loner outsider weirdo role. And he, now he's just kind of a weirdo all the time. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he goes off to get a drink or something and Manny and the count talk and he, Manny's like, how did you get all that money in two days? And he's <laughs> like, Oh, I got it from the prop, the prop guy. guy. Oh, how'd the prop guy get it? Well, he, he's the prop guy. TLDR. It is prop money. It it's is not fake real. money. It's paper bills. Yes. Not not the not the real deal. Unbeknownst to Toby Maguire and his henchmen at the time, who is hawking loogies left and right because that was disgusting. Sure, why not? Uh, um, fast forward. You know, Toby's pitching movie ideas, and he says, "Oh my gosh, there's this there's this guy who would be great in movies. You gotta see him. You gotta see him." And Manny rightfully so is like no no i gotta go home but it doesn't work out for him and he he gets him and the count get taken to this like tunnel somewhere that toby mcguire calls the butthole of los angeles and yeah. it's like five layers of dungeon the first layer is like this aggressive like cage fighting between women where I looked at that and said, if Margot Robbie doesn't pay her debt, she's going in there. Again, this was a movie about making movies and now we're here. Yeah. So then <laughs> level two is like some weird like sex dungeon thing with like, with like very like circus freak deformed sort of things. People. Yeah. Layer three is um where the crocodile lives for the the third jump scare of this goddamn movie yeah the fourth level is that the last yeah. one mm -hmm. are you sure yeah that's it yeah that there's this giant dude in a mask like this massive like andre the giant sized dude who will do anything for money and you see him literally eat a rat <laughs> yeah. like literally like you see i mean i didn't see it i covered my freaking eyes because yeah, it was, it was just horrifying gross. but i came back and saw pretty him gross. like suck on the tail like a spaghetti and <laughs> and toby mcguire was like isn't this amazing like he'll do anything for money hey so-and-so give me a 20 because they have the bag of the fake yeah. money so he takes a 20 balls it up throws it at him says do another one grabs a 50 and a water droplet drops onto the money and it bleeds because it's fake. Yep. And he learns that it's fake. Manny and the count have to narrowly escape. It's a whole to do. Manny kills the henchman with like one of the maces on the wall. <laughs> they let the alligator loose. They get out. They're getting shot. They car chase. 
they got to get home. They got to get their stuff. They got to get out of here. They're yep. going to go run away to Mexico yep. because they're on the run. Again, Manny, this, Manny, where, where Nelly, is this movie? Oh my God. Manny, where is this movie? Nelly, and the Count have to get out, get out of town. Yeah. Um, There's this harrowing chase. I didn't need any of it. No. Oh, no, because again, just detour after detour after detour. And it's like, where, what are you what are we doing? What are we doing? Eventually, they get their stuff together. They get gas in the thing. They go to run away. Uh, Nellie and Manny have this moment at like some Spanish dancing party. And where he's like, I love you. We're going to run away to Mexico. We're going to have children together. I want to marry you. Great. They've decided oh, they're going to run away together. Then they go back to get the count at his place. Manny goes inside. Nellie decides to get out of the car and go for a walk out into the darkness to never be seen again. I thought that was a wonderful exit for her because I thought she was going to be a dick and take the car. Yeah, and go. I thought she was going to either take the car. Then when she started walking, I thought somebody was going to get her. I thought there had been plenty of near car hits and several car hits throughout yeah. the movie. So I yeah. thought someone's going to come creaming down the street and kill her accidentally right now. The second Manny got nothing, out of nothing the, happened. The second Manny got out of the car and left her, I was like, she's gone. She's going to leave in some capacity. There's no way she's going to stay and be, be a, no, yeah. no. So she, she just gets out of the car and she's walking around and she just walks into the darkness. She does a little like two step on her way out just, and off she goes. Bye. Off she goes. I thought it was a. I thought it was a very nice kind of like send off where like she just she just yeah disappears into the abyss. I thought it was frustrating because like what the hell have we been doing for the past like thirty minutes? Well, sure. On <laughs> on that side of the bookend with that, like yeah, I know I get it, but it's. I thought it was kind of emblematic of like how these these people can just like rise and fall. And sometimes as part of the fall, it's just, you just disappear into yeah. obsolescence. Like that's a good reading of it. Again, for me, I just, I thought it was another frustrating example of like, what the hell is this movie doing? It, what, why? Like give her, give her something to do, I guess. I didn't mind it. Leave. Maybe that's because I was like, cool, we're done. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we're done with Nelly. So Leroy. We, we cut to Manny inside. He's, Getting the count to get his crap together. Guy busts in the door, kills the count, kills Count's roommate. Manny's now on the ground pleading for his life, pissing down his own leg. The guy feels bad for him. The guy doesn't kill him. And he doesn't has kill another him? round of bullets and doesn't kill him. Doesn't doesn't kill Manny. So weird. Again, like I didn't want Manny to die. No. But I don't know why he didn't, other than they didn't want him to for the movie. He runs away to Mexico. We cut to I think like a year later. Two decades later, it's now 1952 mm -hmm. when Manny, Manny reappears in California on the streets of you Los see, Angeles. Well, before that, you see a funeral for Jack. Yes. Yeah, You that's right. see that's right. an obituary for Gene Smart, the writer, and you see a small little news blurb that says Nellie Leroy dead at 34. Yep. Yep. Yikes. Um, and then, yes, we come back to L.A. Manny appears on the streets of Los Angeles. And where where is he and his new wife and daughter? They are standing in front of a parking lot that you and I have parked in before. <laughs> staring straight at Paramount Pictures. No, Kinescope. Kinescope. The Paramount lot. <laughs> yes, it was the Paramount lot. Uh, there, there were several scenes throughout that took place on the Paramount lot. Like the offices of people coming in and out. And as we sort of mentioned here on the podcast before. We recently took 
uh, tours of every major studio except for Sony in LA. There's four: Universal, Warner, uh, Paramount, and uh, and Sony. And Paramount's the only one that's actually in Los Angeles proper anymore. Um, it, you see the Hollywood sign straight from that parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for us, it was. I thought it was pretty interesting to. Oh, I had stood right there and I like I saw the building where we walked in for the tour and like Yeah, they made them a, cross the street just like we had to cross the street. Yeah, yeah, same. Um that was kind of neat. It was it was fun. It was nice to see this journey for Manny, but I also at that point I was like this is turning into a commercial for Paramount and I <laughs> am over it. Yeah, so then uh Manny see his his sends his kid and his wife off for the rest of the day he goes around the corner to a uh, nearby movie theater to pay his 50 cents and gets in and he sees singing in the rain and why this is funny for the movie's sake earlier in the movie jack conrad gets into a singing in the rain oh it was bit. it was all of the all of the films that he sees mm-hmm. were all like scenes of things that we'd seen already right so there's like i don't i don't know what the movies are specifically but there's a bit where there's a lady a, a, a woman talking to a younger woman mm-hmm. about how she needs to have round sounds the way mm-hmm. she talks and the younger woman talks like this and kind of sounds a little like she's from jersey yeah, yeah it's so it's um this is a weird part of the movie too like the, so a, a weird, weird a weird way to end it so uh yeah you see that now i i took that initially when i saw singing in the rain because i know back in the day the way some of these things were made like people would just uh, like for music for example people did covers of music all the time like there were plenty of songs that got passed from like through like four or five different artists so a person that you think now is like oh that's definitely uh elvis's song it's like "Ah, actually it was this person and then before that it was this person before that it was this person so i thought singing in the rain was that maybe i'm maybe i'm not right about that so i just saw that as oh jack conrad's version failed but uh is it fred astaire that does singing in the rain no it is gene kelly yeah sorry uh gene kelly's version ruled you know cool but so manny has this moment of like reflection of like oh these the things that i'm looking at these are the things that were my life that I missed out on because of what happened with Nelly. Uh, Whoa, Nelly. And so <laughs> we get a little bit of that. You kind of soar through the theater. You see the audience and the people that are enthralled by this. And then we cut to a montage of every movie ever fucking made. <laughs> like they we, do, li- they we do literally the, start with the running horse. They do the film, film history thing where they show the horse, then they show the cat, then they show the train, train. then they show like the rocket in the moon's eye, yeah. and then they show this, 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 this. Then they show Avatar. Then they, show- <laughs> they showed the Matrix and Jurassic Park. They and showed the, Avatar. the worst <laughs> clip, maybe just like the worst rendering of Avatar. It was so gross. It was just like. <laughs> at first i'm like wait a second paramount doesn't even own most of these movies what I the know. fuck are we looking at why is this happening it's and hilarious we- to know that paramount paid disney like i don't know 85 dollars to use like 10 seconds of avatar and <laughs> not even 10 seconds like and, two and it's like cutting through all this film history and then we get to these like big the screen is just red and blue and green and i'm like 
I, I didn't see a seizure warning before this movie, but if if you're somebody that has yes. visual issues, this is going to be a troublesome part. Yeah, there's like shit like like liquidy, floaty crap yeah. and then like a countdown clock and then like a splash of, of Nelly. And what yeah. like it, again, it all to all to say that that bit at the end is clearly part of the mission statement of the movie. Of yes. The history of film and the transitions through time from and ain't it wonderful right from silent to talking from talking to color from color to to cgi to completely digital film to whatever daffy duck made an appearance for a split second yes he did uh and so it's like if this movie had just stuck to its mission statement of film history and not had to give me this thing of Hey, here's this character that you really liked. He got caught up in a crazy thing and he missed out on the rest of film history. Like, yeah, I guess that's what that's supposed to be. But why? <laughs> why couldn't he just be part of film history? Why yeah. did we have to, like, do any of that? Cut off the last 45 minutes of this movie and just. Yeah. Don't. The, you can you can totally. Like when. When Nellie comes to Manny's door saying I owe him a lot of money. I owe him so much money. We're, I'm screwed. I'm screwed. They can totally do this thing of like Manny's made a lot of money. Well, that or just like, well, okay, shit, we're screwed, so let's just pack a bag and go. And then they do the the go part where they just yeah. go and then she leaves at some like they could have they could have lopped off all Hell, of that dungeon crap. Leave. She could just like they could just come back do the same thing with the kid and whatever and just don't do any of the toby mcguire stuff yeah but he can't come back with nelly no i guess they're not. not they are not destined to be together she is yeah. not as we've learned not somebody who's going to be tied down yeah so she we needed that moment of her and manny separating yeah and it was always going to be her walking away from him so we yeah. needed that moment and then but just no, no Toby Maguire. Um, yeah, I just this movie the movie's too long, it loses its way, it goes, it just goes nuts, and it doesn't yeah. it does not need that at all. Um so that's Babylon. <laughs> um Yeah, that's, that's the long form of Babylon. We come to this place for magic. Somehow. Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. AMC theaters. We make movies better. So again, that's our uh, long talk on Babylon. A bit, a bit of a mess, unfortunately. Had so much going for it and just lots lost of, itself. Lots of good, lots of bad. Yeah. Do you want me to read that tweet about the elephant? <laughs> no. If you guys want to know about the tweet about the elephant... Just send me a message and I'll share it with you. There, there's a behind the scenes don't, of how the don't elephant reveal just, it. It's, if you want to know, let me know. I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we didn't get to the uh, the exciting bit about our our little viewing. We our field trip. We mentioned at the beginning, or I mentioned at the beginning of this show that we had a new movie experience going to see Babylon. We actually strayed from our regular viewings at regal and went to our local amc to see 
this one mostly because we wanted to see <laughs> the internet phenomenon that is the Nicole Kidman intro. Yes. So you thought we were never going to see this. You thought that we were going to get denied yeah, this privilege. I thought we were going to get gypped. And I wanted to make sure he did it in 2022 because I've been hearing rumors that they might change it for 2023. And I needed to see the original that started this whole phenomenon. Uh, we'll po- uh, you recorded it. Are you going to post the video of the full? I might. I mean, people could YouTube it. it it's on YouTube. But it's it's very it's a very niche thing. It's, you just sit there and go, what the heck is going on? It's very cheesy. It's Nicole Kidman walking into an AMC theater, giving a monologue about just how special the movies are. And uh, the, the, the line that everyone calls back to the line that they've put on merchandise on the AMC store on a hoodie on a tee. Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. All right, Nicole. Yeah. What did you what did you think of your experience? Did you enjoy seeing this in real life? I'm glad that I did. Yeah. Do we need to go see it multiple times no. to like get it in, ingrained in our heads? No. no? Mostly because I don't like the center that the AMC is at. Yeah. I don't like going <laughs> on the way up there. Yeah, that's that's true. Um Yeah. Uh, I it it's it became an internet meme because I think AMC is the biggest movie theater chain in the country. And if you're somebody that goes to the movies a lot, you're going to see it a lot. Like for Regal, we get the roller coaster thing. And that's kind of fun. It's not a, a cheesy monologue about how, how much movies mean to people. Uh, when you could just be like, I'm here to see uh, Minions Rise of Gru. I don't care about heartbreak. Well, you're not. but <laughs> no, Of course, I'm not. But I'm saying you could be. Um, but my point being that like, if you're seeing it over and over, it gets grained, like drilled into your head of like, oh my God, here's Nicole Kidman again. And then you get over that hump of, oh my God, it's Nicole. You know, it's kind of like a, a cycle. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it really did anything for me. If they make a new one, we have to go see that. I don't, I don't think so. Honestly, like the differences between going to our Regal and going to the AMC. I I I wouldn't choose to go unless there was like a time sensitive reason. Like this movie for some reason is not playing at a, at a local Regal theater and we have to go see it at AMC sort of situation. They're going to give away some crazy kick-ass Star Wars bucket and you're going to be like, I have I to will have it. I will say their popcorn bucket game is better than Regal's. Generally speaking. Regal's was fine regals had good regals used to be good yeah regal had good marvel stuff like well, we have a few that are really good they did a good job of just like the simple aluminum tin of of for a large popcorn which had like a good relief to it it, it was structurally sound and very good i liked it um but now they're all just kind of the same plastic holographic bucket which aren't fun but uh I, amc goes out of its way to make unique they, like for Thor Love and Thunder, the popcorn bucket was Thor's hammer. Uh, it was. Yeah, it was Mjolnir. Oh. Yeah. And then for the way of water for Avatar, it's like a it's a water bowl. It's a bowl that's in that looks it's like a water. Blue, it's a blue bowl. That's it. It's, it's a, like it's a blue bowl that has, uh you know, like wave features on it. It's nothing we need. I'm not no, really concerned not. about it. No. Um, anyway, I'd stick with Regal. It's fine. Yeah. We've talked a lot about this. 
let's uh let's move on here thank you for uh, listening i don't think we mentioned it but our instagram is a.z underscore movie review that's where you can find all of our reviews for lots of recent stuff avatar spoiler alert there's probably an avengers movie somewhere in there (laughs) uh twitter a underscore z underscore movie review and yeah uh if uh if you're into this season i mean we got we got a lot coming out um we just put out avatar uh which is crawling even closer to a billion dollars i think as of today it just crossed uh 850 or 900 million so it's made more money to this point than the first one did is it gonna pass what the first one did does this have the capacity to catch avengers endgame I don't I just think like the, the that those movies run on long legs and I just don't know with the way the movie we'll see. releases work right now that we'll it'll, see. they've do got that. a whole week. <laughs> yeah. I, this is I think this upcoming week this is the week of New Year's so or the week in between Christmas and New Year's. A lot of people have time off. Yeah. Kids are off of school. I think it'll be fine for this week. What we do after the new year, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, I think it'll trail off hard there. So, Avatar, as as you said, spoiler alert. Uh, we're gonna watch Glass Onion tomorrow. Yeah, we're working on Glass Onion, the the Knives Out sequel. Uh, we've still got things in the queue like Fablemans, uh, <laughs> Banshees of Inisherin on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we're we're gonna do our best to get some of these uh, awards contenders in when we have the time here, and uh, and they're more readily available right now than they might be in a month. Um, so, but uh, we got we got a lot going on. Basically, is to say, so stick around. Look for our content, enjoy it, and uh, follow us, tell your friends, share our content, whatever you want to do. But yeah, awards, uh, Golden Globes are when? The 10th? Mm-hmm. January 10th? It's a Tuesday, as it's I've a, been told. It's a Tuesday. So that's uh, in about uh, two and a half weeks time mm-hmm. from now. So mm-hmm. uh, is, trying to gear up for then. And Is Babylon winning any Golden Globes? Uh, no. Maybe, well, maybe, a maybe, maybe because the, the categories are split up in musical or comedy, but I, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't like hold out my breath for it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll have Golden Globes coverage when it comes around for sure. We're not going to, we're, we'll go more all in on the Oscars, but we will definitely talk about the, the Golden Globes. Sure. Just because we like award shows. Uh, so between now and then, we'll see you at the movies. <laughs>